of their buildings. Scared to death a plane was going to hit the building and they trample people. And it's just sad. Uh, really, you think about how sad that is, especially when someone calls themselves a Christian. You know, you should be the one there making sure everybody else is getting out first. I mean, those unsaved people, get them out. They die, they go to hell. You know, you, you die, well, you go to, you know, none of us are wanting to die. They don't want a plane to hit the building come down on us. But, man, that's, you know, that's all I could think about when I watched those uh, videos and you saw those, you know, first responders going in that building and all the people in the building. And when the buildings came down, I thought, how many of those people were lost, including the fire and, and police? And, you know, a lot of people, they lose their religion when something like that happens. Suddenly, everybody goes to heaven because they died in that building. No, I'm sorry. You would had better been saved and ready because when that building came down, if you were lost, you went from one hell to the next. And it's just crazy how people just totally check out and stop believing what they claimed all along to believe once something big happens. Well, the same thing's true when it comes to the end times. We shouldn't be troubled. We shouldn't be shaken in mind. It's like a concussion, shaken in mind. You shouldn't lose your senses when you see this stuff going on. I mean, what I try to practice what I preach. I believe we should get, redouble our efforts. We should stand even more firm. We should do more to get the word out as we see that day approach. Don't get scared and b dig yourself a bunker and all that kind of stuff. You know, that's, not, that's the wrong reaction. So scripture with scripture, let's look at uh, just a few pages over. 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. I didn't do this on purpose, but we don't have Jenny here to run the microphone around. We're only going to turn to a couple passages anyway. 2 Timothy 1, 7 through 10. And uh, this is kind of a memory verse for a lot of people, but they don't really take it in context. And um, he's, Paul is telling Timothy to remember the gift, remember that thou stir up the gift of God who is uh, in thee by the putting on of hands. And then he says this in verse 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of what? So not to be troubled in mind or shaken in mind, as the text says, but to be of sound mind. Read verse 8 with me. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. What if they come around locking me up and you're afraid they're going to come and lock you up? What are you going to do? Be ashamed of his testimony and cower back and stop speaking the truth? All I can tell you is, is it hasn't even come to that and most Christians are already doing that. It hasn't even come to them locking up preachers and dragging you out of your church buildings. And still most Christians today are cowering. So it's a good question to ask. Verse 9 continues describing the Lord who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Read 10 with me. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And he's just saying, 
This is what, if you really believe what you say you believe, he's abolished death. You die physically, but you never die. When Jesus said, if any man believe in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He didn't say you wouldn't be dead, but he's talking physically alone. Only physically do you die. The real you, you're not going to even notice any kind of gap. We don't believe in limbo. We believe if you're saved, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. I like, I like the version, and it's the b biblical uh, version, by the way. <laughs> You hear some people talk about these other things where, you know, they claim to have gone to heaven and come back. And they went through a tunnel and all this stuff. My Bible says that when Lazarus the bum died, he was saved. And an angel came and took him. And at that time he went to the paradise in Abraham's bosom, which was in the center of the earth. And just a few years later, Jesus rose from the dead, took all those people out of there and took him to heaven and ever since then believers die immediately you go right into his presence escorted by an angel <laughs> that's what i believe i remember when i was young i was a young christian and i heard somebody say oh uh when so and so died they looked up like and said they saw angels and then dropped dead i don't know if that's true or not I don't know if it actually happened or not, but that's biblical. The idea that as they died, the last thing they said they saw before they actually died was the angels showing up to take them. It's a very biblical claim. Yeah. All those other claims about tunnels and things, not biblical. Right. Mary? I saw it happen with my first husband. I saw him look up over the computer and he was looking at something and he was like, whoa. Yeah, I've heard a lot of stories like that. Like I said, I can't can't be proven, but I don't discount it. You know, I do discount it if they some woman her husband was Fred, and then they say, yeah, she said Fred, and then died. <laughs> I don't think Fred comes to escort her home. So, in other words, all this is saying to us, as we see the things getting darker, like Charlie mentioned, we want to be raptured. I'm ready to go, but. Thankfully, I've never had Charlie, you know, take me aside and say, Greg, I'm scared. <laughs> that's not the right response. And that's what we're saying. Show some faith, man. You don't tell people you believe something, and then when it get, the going gets tough, you know, they say the tough get going, but they, what that's supposed to mean is you get going and start, you just, you know, get at it and do more, not going in the opposite direction running like a coward. But also notice the one word qualification. Let's go back to 2 Thessalonians 2.2 2 there. And notice the one word qualification to this when it says that ye be not, what? Soon shaken in mind. Because it's not that things won't shake you up at times. And, uh, you know, I've, I've admitted I've been shaken up a few times since I've been saved. It, didn't, it wasn't anything to do with my lack of faith in God. It's just sometimes that life can really hit you. And there is a time to be shaken and troubled, but not soon, meaning every time something happened, oh, you know. Daniel was troubled. You remember that? Daniel in Daniel 7.15, I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. 
He describes it like he was stunned in silence. I've been there. I, a couple times things have happened to me that just totally left me. I, I just described it. It felt like I'd been hit in the head with a rubber mallet. Gong, you know. It just felt like everything's... And I'm not talking physically. This is things, stuff that happened to me, stuff in my life. And I won't get into much detail. You've heard some of those stories before. But Jesus was troubled. He's God in flesh. But it says that he was touched by the same infirmities you and I are. John 11:33. when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and this is talking about Lazarus, uh, the not the bum, but his friend Lazarus, who had died, Jesus was about to raise him from the dead. And it says, And the Jews also weeping which came with her, this is Jesus it's describing, groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Now why would that, I would say that's his humanity, but it's also his deity, because God loves his children. He doesn't like to see us suffer. And Jesus had a very human response but it was also a picture of the response. The Bible says you can grieve the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, God, is not a, uh, you know, computer. He's not an unfeeling thing out there. He is a feeling being. And Jesus uh, was troubled. John 13, 21, when Jesus had thus said, He was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. So he was troubled in spirit at the thought Judas was going to betray him. But neither Daniel or Jesus were what we would call soon troubled. And they didn't doubt God's word. So that's how they're an example to us. Don't think there's something wrong with you if things get really rough and you are troubled by it. That's not, not what we're saying here. We're just saying that when it comes to things that God's word has spoken about and the world condition, everything's going on, don't have such shallow faith that it troubles you. There are people who have quit God over it. Quit following the Lord over this stuff. It's just, it's a shame. Paul then warns that the enemy will use all means at his disposal. Look what he says there in uh, the second half of verse 2. starts by saying uh, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit. That's the first thing he talks about. Neither by spirit. As mentioned previously, there is a time to be troubled. But we must discern between that and illegitimate feelings brought on by deception. And I know people in their spirit are troubled, and we, I don't have time to get in all the details of this, but I'm going to tell you, a lot of times, why are people troubled? One of the reasons is because of the things they choose to put in their head. I know a lady who would watch slasher movies she listened to all this rock and roll music. She had friends that were terrible friends. She would go around her family who were all godless, always blaspheming. And the girl, and she got her feelings hurt, so she stopped going to church. Didn't have any real good Christian friends around her. And I could go on and on, but you get the picture. 
it may not surprise you when I tell you she was a wreck. Troubled in spirit. So what did she do? She turned to psycho. And it totally destroyed her eventually. And I'm not about to name names or anything, but you just have to take my word for it when I tell you this. And I've seen it on more than one occasion, by the way, numerous occasions where this has happened. If you are not doing the things that you know you should be doing, by the way, she wasn't in the Word, she, she admitted it, she, wasn't, she didn't have much of a prayer life, on and on it goes. You're not in the Word, you don't have a decent prayer life, you don't try to be in fellowship with other believers in his local church if there is one or even online when that's possible. There are all kinds of people out there that are lonely as can be, but they won't lift any effort to try to fellowship with us on uh, MeWe, for example. Now, some of you don't need that. You don't even want to do it social media, but you've got this. But I'm talking about people who don't have any fellowship. You'd think they'd put forth a little effort, and they don't. And then down the road, I hear from them or hear about them. Crash. Burn. <laughs> making shipwreck. That's... I'm, I'm just saying most of the people I know are troubled in spirit like that. That's, it's self-inflicted. Personal choices made. Don't expect any other result if you won't simply do those very basic things that God has told us to do. Then it goes and says, he continues and says, nor by word. And that is the idea of things you hear, gossip, rumor, we would then say also today that would include uh, fake news and propaganda, uh, clickbait. All the, all the above falls in one way or another under the heading of lies. What do you expect lies to do for you, your spirit and your mind? <laughs> and then it says, nor by letters. Uh, it says, nor by letter as from us. Um, Yes, people wrote letters pretending to be the apostles <laughs> in the first and even later centuries, and they would make false claims. Uh, Hymenaeus and Alexandria, uh, Alexander the coppersmith, and they'd make false claims saying the resurrection's already passed, and, and people are like, well, that means I missed it. And they do all kinds of trouble and everything. That was going on even then. We previously discussed the uninspired writings of the so-called church fathers. And uh, I hope I at least uh, gave you some reason to, uh, for, for starters, nothing they wrote was inspired of God. Every bit of what they wrote was subject to the word of God. And uh, people treat their writings like the scripture. But there were also what is called pseudepigrapha or pseudepigrapha. Pseudepigrapha, I think is the best way to pronounce that. Pseudo, how do you know what pseudo means? False, counterfeit. Pseudepigrapha is referring to writings. They were forged epistles by people posing as apostles and prophets. Some of them are very popular today. Some of them were like lost or put on a shelf somewhere for centuries and then they were rediscovered and suddenly everybody's supposed to read them. Uh, look at 2 Corinthians, back a few pages. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. This is what I believe Paul is referring to in 2 Corinthians 2, beginning verse 14. I'll read uh, 
14, while you're turning there. Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. And then verse 15, if you dare read it. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that are perished. Verse 16, to the one we are the savor of death unto death, and to the other the savor of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? Read verse 17 with me. For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. And there's known fact that the Gnostics, for example, would take the writings of the apostles and then they would just change anything they didn't like in them. And then they also made their own gospels. And uh, the Gospel of Thomas uh, is one of, on one of those writings. And everybody tells you you should read the, the Gospel according to uh, Judas. It's another one. And uh, here's, a, here's an example of what you can buy in a bookstore today. The Book of Enoch. Look, they put that... Wouldn't you think Enoch wrote that? He didn't. <laughs> Enoch lived before the flood. Yes, but Noah took two of everything. That must have included the books. <laughs> There's no evidence that Enoch wrote a book. Now, there is evidence that Enoch spoke and that his words were uh, somewhere kept uh, in memory because Jude quotes him in the New Testament. And that's the only place where we know there are inspired words coming from Enoch. Uh, the book of Enoch, and it's, it's, a, it's just a terrible... Uh, by the way, Muhammad got a lot of the false things he believed out of the book of Enoch. They know that. And Barnabas, Gospel of Barnabas. And uh, they, they, he, this book names all kinds of different... We've done uh, devotional, five-minute devotional type things about the Bible and went through the book of Enoch several several uh, editions of that discussing that. But there's New Testament pseudepigrapha, the gospel according to Peter. There's no such, I mean, that's, that's a, it wasn't Peter. And the revelation of Peter, we have the revelation of St. John. Someone decided, well, Peter probably, you know, what they thought was, I can write one and say Peter wrote it and people will probably believe it. That's what they did. Yeah, it's probably all, says probably, there's a buck in it somewhere. So this would include anyone claiming to deliver messages from God in any way, shape, or form. In charismatic Pentecostal churches, you have people say, Oh, no, 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 And then they get everybody's attention, they say, oh, I have a word from the Lord, thus saith the Lord. And then when they, whatever they say, it's just generic, there's never any real prophecy in it. They never say that, you know, uh, in 15 minutes, Brother Jim is going to get a phone call and he's going to be told he's one publisher's clearinghouse, you know. And then 15 minutes later, his phone rings, you know. Nothing like that ever happens. It's always like, thus saith the Lord, Jesus is coming again. Be ready, church, be ready, you know, that kind of stuff. It doesn't mean anything. We already know that. Tell me something I don't know. That's what a true prophet does. But today... <laughs> We have TV preachers and YouTube for this. We don't get letters, but you get it on TV preachers and YouTube. I just want to record a video regarding my dream. And I've had many dreams 
over the years, but this one was one of the few that really touched me and I felt very led to share it with you. I started to see that my neighbor was panicking. She was screaming. She was like in some sort of shock in the middle of the night. So I went into my room and I looked out my window and as I'm looking out my window, I see her running so frantic in her house. I didn't know what was going on, but I could see her shadow running through, you know, her rooms down her stairs. And I heard her begin to say, my children are gone. Where are my children? Somebody help me. They're gone. So I knew that this possibly had something to do with the rapture. I felt it in my spirit. So I see her panicking. It's like my very first rapture dream I ever had and I was left behind and I'll tell you why. So I ran to a window, it was dark and I saw two moons in the sky next to each other. There was a full moon and there was a crescent moon. The crescent moon started to spin in a circle extremely fast. And right when that happened, I kid you not, um, this massive, massive earthquake took place. The ground shook. And I know that this earthquake was felt throughout the entire world. My guess now is that it was the dead rising first. And so it shook and I fell to the floor. And I remember my legs physically, they felt like like jello, okay? Like they were like shaking, like jello all over. And I was like, I knew, I knew, I knew that I knew in my heart it was the rapture happening. So I ran outside. I got on my knees and I was crying out to God, take me, you know, I'm Jesus, take me, this and that. And I could literally see white um, flashes of like, they must have been souls were going up into the sky. I was left behind and I knew in my heart it was because I didn't repent. And at this, I told you in my other video, I had a problem with smoking marijuana. And in this time of my life, I was going on and off of it. I was like addicted to this stuff, okay? And I was like a pothead like when I was younger, but I was like really. I was like, Lord, like, is it really that big of a deal type or is it not? That's where I was at with it. And he was very clear that, yes, he told me basically it was an idol in my life at the time because I was choosing that instead of relying on him for peace. So I was left behind and we were outside. There were so many fires. Um, it was chaos. Everyone was screaming in pandemonium, like what was happening because you got like a war starting in America now and this rapture thing happened and people were so confused so yeah that was my left behind dream i had that's the end of it i start seeing people like beam up like shots of light just left and right boop, 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 boop. Their, people are just going up into the air i said oh no jesus is coming back like i was terrified like no this this shouldn't be happening right now this i had the scariest dream i had a post rapture dream in the dream i was left behind the dream started with me running down the road with other people I'm trying to understand and fully comprehend the dream that I had this morning. And all of a sudden my body from head to toe felt like it was on fire, not a burning fire, not, it's hard to explain. It wasn't fire, fire, but it was like something that I found or understood when I woke up was holy fire. And anyway, my whole body felt it and I'm like, he's coming mom he's coming I'm like I feel it like my whole body is is on fire like he's coming Went into a building and come out and all of a sudden 
a cloud appeared in a perfectly clear blue sky. It started off and it was like a vortex cloud spinning around with the sound like of many rushing waters. The Bible says that God's voice sounds like many rushing waters. And it was like, and all of a sudden Jesus' face appeared in the cloud. And he said, this is the rapture, my children. Come with me. Come home. Well, these angels appeared everywhere dressed in white with gold sashes. And they were looking at people. And they looked at me. And my, they took my daughter, but they didn't take me. So, this is the vision I had where I was raptured. So, it's probably going to take a few parts. Bear with me. I pray, this is a, I pray that this is a blessing. I just had to show you those. And it went on a couple minutes. But those are by the dozen on YouTube and other video servers, and they have tens of thousands, and some of them have hundreds of thousands, and some of them have millions of views. Because that's what this end time professing Christian generation eats up. You can't get more than a few thousand to watch Bible study. But they lap that stuff up, and what did it do? If you, did, if you weren't a Bible believer and you didn't know what to really believe, that's tough. What's it do? It scares you to death. Shaken in mind, troubled in spirit. That's exactly. That's just the modern version of these epistles and letters that were being written and freaking out the first century Christians that Paul's trying to tell them, tell them, stop reading that stuff. Stop looking at it. And people won't. I know people just, they, they, they love that stuff. And they're just as confused. But we're told that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us as that the day of Christ is at hand. And this stuff is what's, it's just, you know, it, the rapture is imminent. It's not something, though, that we're supposed to be afraid of. It's been imminent for 2,000 years. We're told that for 2,000 years, Christians knew the Lord could come potentially at any moment. Of course, God knows otherwise. He knows when it's coming. But he didn't tell us. Why? Because it, he was doing us a favor. Because a lot of people, if they think, oh, he's not coming anytime soon. Well, look at the people who believe that and the way they live. I'm talking professing Christians. But when understood in the Spirit, capital S, it is not a source of fear. It bugs me when I hear somebody talk about the rapture and say, oh, I'm scared. I said, well, if, if you're right with God, you won't be scared. You'd be excited. I'm ready to go. Yeah, Jim? I had a rapture dream before, and it's probably one of the most vivid dreams I've ever had in my entire life. I mean, this was years ago, and I can still remember every detail of it, and it was awesome. Yeah. It's one of the greatest dreams I've, I ever had. Well, Jim, I wanted to get you on... I was getting raptured. Yeah. So. Yeah, and that, it, it, these were... But I want to get you on video and create a channel and see if we can make some money. Yeah. Yeah, now I had a rapture dream before I got saved, and it did scare me. I should be scared. When you're unsaved, the rapture should do that to you. These people are all professing Christians. Not to mention all the bad theology they were spouting. Scared of the rapture? Not if you're saved. Amen. Yeah, Brian? I was just going to say that uh, all the millions of people that are watching those things, 
it poisons the well. Yes. They're going to watch those things and be more um, on the side of what they're hearing. Yes. And when you talk yes. about what the Bible is. Yeah. yeah, you try to talk about the Bible, they, they will go based on what they're seeing on YouTube. Yeah, you see it when you talk to them all the time. Amen. So it is a source of joy for saved believers. I just, I know it sounds redundant, but these days you have to be. Saved believers. Because everybody says, oh, I believe. But I'm scared of the rapture. No, there's a problem there. <laughs> Something wrong. And if we are ready for the rapture, we do not fear the day of Christ. Now, that's where we pick up or at the end of verse uh, 2 in our text. Get back over there real quick. As that, the day of Christ is at hand. And the day of Christ begins with the rapture. We've talked about this. Uh, it's, uh, I used to say it begins with the confirming of the covenant. That's how I used to teach it. But the more I prayed about it and read it, I'm like, wait a minute. That, we have always talked about the rapture as though it's a blessing. Not to those left behind, it's not. It's the beginning of judgment. And so that's why I believe that's where the more I read the scripture, that includes the rapture, and we'll see that the day of Christ is the day of the Lord, and we're going to talk about that in our next study. In the meantime, stay calm and stay busy. Amen? Amen. <laughs> All right, let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time in your word, and we thank you for having this book, the Holy Spirit, and to have a group of people who are Bible believers where iron sharpens iron so that we will not be caught up in all the silliness and actual satanic nonsense that's out there these days. And we just ask, Lord, you help us, but also that we might help others who really do want to learn your word, who do want to be uh, aware of what's going on and not soon shaken and troubled in mind by these things. And we just ask you to do that, and we want to do that to bring glory and praise and honor and to please our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen.